During this first month, I have enjoyed uh, meeting and interacting with many of you. But I must tell you that I have met and interacted far more with the women in this church than the men. The women have all types of activities going on here during the week, and I'm not, I don't know where the men are. Maybe you're, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, I, I say that because I'd like to uh, interact with uh, some more of you men, and I think a, a good format to do that will be in a couple of weeks where we're going away to a retreat overnight, and I just want to say that if you're married, uh, we have a lot of kids, and my wife's letting me go, so... I'm not sure how your marriage works, but maybe uh, for the wives in here who want their husbands to go on the tree, will you, will you just go sign them up afterwards, please? It's somewhere in the foyer. Just put their name there, and he'll show up that way. But I, I do want to see you guys. It'd be great to hang out with you and get in the Word and just have some fun together, so I hope you can make it. Well, this morning, we're going to do something... Um, that you're not usually very comfortable doing, you want to do it, and that is tell people that you love, that you care for, tell them about Jesus. Most of us are afraid to do that, or maybe we don't know how to do it. Maybe if you're interacting with someone, you could say, okay, here's my chance to tell someone I love about Jesus, and now you're like, what do I say? Some of you were raised on sharing the four spiritual laws, but now you're like, I forgot what those were. Some of you were raised to tell others about Jesus by using evangelism explosion, and you're going through a certain amount of steps, but right now, when you have that interaction with someone who's far from Christ, you have forgotten the steps. So what do you do when you have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone but you're not quite sure what to say. Here's a suggestion. Tell them your story. Tell them how God intervened in your life to reconcile you to Him. Tell them what has happened inside of you. And as you're telling your story, you can't help but talk about Jesus. The cross, forgiveness, reconciliation, and transformation. So this morning, I have a very lofty goal. Someone once told me that if you set your goals low enough, you can make them every time. So this morning, I'm going to have a lofty pastoral goal. I want everyone in here to get to a point where they can speak about God's intervention in their own life with the gospel and tell someone else your story. Now, I'm going to keep it really simple. I'm going to give you a three-part progression, and then we're going to see the same progression in our text. So here is how it works. Here's the three-part progression. Before, how, now. It's really complicated. Before, how, now. Tell your story before your life with Jesus, how you came to walk with Jesus, how you met Jesus, and now your life 
with Jesus. Before, how, now. And I believe your story will naturally progress through the gospel when you speak of your sin, the specifics of grace, and the forgiveness of the cross of Christ, and now the purpose of your life walking with Jesus on to eternity. Before, how, now. Last night I was sharing this with my family during a time we call family worship, and one of my children said, but what if we don't have a dramatic conversion story. And as a father, I'm like, good. <laughs> right? I don't want them to have some, oh, I was terrible. And I was, and then, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. But in God's eyes, it's all dramatic, right? It's, it's all great, miraculous conversion. Even if you can't name dates, right? There's a specific date. It's okay. Even if you can't think of all the dates, it's okay. You still have a story to tell if you're a follower of Jesus of God's grace and intervention in your life. So tell it before, how, now. And it's this progression that we're going to see the Apostle Paul as he tells his story of before, how, now. And the reason why he's telling his story to the Galatians is for a defense of the gospel. Remember we saw last week as we kicked off Galatians that many in the church were deviating from the gospel of grace. And Paul intervenes and writes this letter and says, hey, do you not remember that the good news is that you can have an eternal relationship with a holy and loving God by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And he's hitting this message of grace because false teachers have invaded the church and claim that in order to be right with God, you basically have to act like a Jew. Believe in Jesus, get circumcised, adhere to the laws, the dietary code, and observe a variety of days. And Paul says, those who teach such things are eternally condemned because it's man-centered, self-salvation focus. It's not the gospel. And as we learned last week, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. And as we turn back to our text this morning in Galatians 2, Paul will give you the before, the how, now of his own life. But I want to make sure that we don't lose the guts of his argument. So look with me briefly in verse 11 through 12 of chapter 1. He says, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not man's invention, but it's God's revelation. And specifically for Paul, he received this revelation directly from the resurrected, ascended Jesus on the road to Damascus. And this point is very important because the false teachers could claim that Paul was trained under the same apostles just like they were, but he's failing to give the whole message of circumcision and law-keeping. But Paul's message is not incomplete. 
as he received it directly from Jesus apart from all human authorities. It's God's revelation, not his invention. Now it's time for the story. Paul's going to start with before. Look at verse 13. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Paul was an up-and-coming rising star in Judaism. It says specifically that he was advancing in Judaism beyond others and was extremely zealous for his ancestral traditions. Paul was the poster boy for law-keeping, and he was zealous beyond zealous to find righteousness through obedience to the law of Moses. Circumcision, check. Law-abiding, check. Diet code, check. Dress code, check. Paul's zeal was not only focused on law-keeping, but his zeal was also focused on persecuting and making sure that Christians were locked up, put in prison, and sometimes killed. If you may remember when the man of God, Stephen, was stoned to death, a young man named Saul, Paul, was giving his approval. It was also said of Paul, Saul, in Acts 8.3. Acts 8.3 says, But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. It also says in Acts 9.1, Now Saul, still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. I think we sometimes take for granted that a significant portion of the New Testament was written by a former terrorist. Locking them Christians up, making sure some of them get put to death. It's a terrorist. That's his before story, before Christ. What's the story of your life before Christ? Like if I ask you, what's, what's your story? Well, my life before Christ was a mixture of religion and immorality. I would go to church. I would put pictures of Jesus on my walls and fishes on the back of my car. I remember the senior in high school, I even had Jesus is Lord on the back of my car. And it was all just religious motions. I led a life of rampant sexual morality along with rage, a foul mouth, and greed. And I want you to keep in mind that God not only calls people out of pagan lifestyles, but he also calls people out of religious lifestyles. And for me, it was both. I mixed the two. And it's a combination you will often see down south is people will go to church, they'll go to youth group, they will show up week after week, and yet they can still live a life of immorality and have no problem with it. That's why when I show up here on Sunday morning, I see you in the pew, but I do not assume that you are redeemed. Because you never know what's going on, right? Because we can just go through the emotions, the motions, the motions, the motions of religion and have a secret life of sin. That is Paul's before story. That's my before story. And I want you to think about 
what is your story of life before Christ? You don't have to go into all the gruesome details, but you can tell it. And even if you can't remember of all the details of your life before Christ, you don't have a specific day, you can still tell the story of your self-will and desire to be Lord over your own life. What is your before story? Well, now we move into the how. How did Paul the terrorist get saved? How did God intervene in his life? How did that happen? If you don't know the story, it's a good one. Look at it. Let's see what this says. In verse 15, Paul says, But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased. All right, let's just stop right there. I feel like I got, I got to give a little bit of backstory. Paul, he was setting out on a journey to have Christians arrested on the road to Damascus. And then something surprising happened. It's often been said that true Christians are the victims of a successful surprise attack by God. And this surprise attack happened to Saul. He's on the road to Damascus. He is going to arrest Christians. And Jesus, the ascendant, resurrected ascendant Christ, appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's like, who are you? And the Lord says back to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And this surprise attack on Paul we are told from our Galatians passage, was planned before he was born. It says specifically that Paul was chosen when he's in his mother's womb. Even before he was born, God had plans to convert and commission him for God's glory. Then in time, God intervened and called him through grace. Paul didn't seek it out, but God sought him and drew him to himself. And for those of you who really like to look at the text really close, can I ask you a question? What is the reason that God would save Paul? What is the reason that God would save you or any of us? Examine the text again. Can you see it there at the verse 15 at the very end where it says, was pleased. Let me give you another translation. New King James Version words it better for for my purposes when trying to understand it. Let me put this up for you. It says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, God saved Paul, God saved you because it pleased him. Why did God save you? Is it because he saw some good in you and he thought, man, you're worth saving. Was because he saw that you, you would be useful to his kingdom work and he really needed someone like you on team. He's like, is he the captain picking teams? Like, I want him on my team. It says he saved you because it pleased him. That is grace. It pleased God to send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. It pleased God to send his son to bear the father's wrath in your place. 
It pleased God to intervene in your life and call you to himself. This is a call of grace because it simply pleases him. So we have the before, and now we have the how. How did God intervene in your life to save you? I really think you have a story to tell of God's pleasure of saving you. Well, God intervened in my life after my freshman year, and it was a surprise attack. Remember I told you I have these religious motions combined with immorality, thinking that I'm, in, I'm, I'm really good with God. And so during my freshman year, I interviewed for a camp. I've told this story before, a camp named Canacook in Branson, Missouri. I totally lied to them, told them I was a Christian. They hired me. So I was going to be a, a, a counselor, a Christian counselor at a sports camp. Supposed to be Christian, was not a Christian. Showed up. The gospel was being presented one night to the kids. You know all those kids that need to get saved. They're all out there. And I, the counselor, is hearing the gospel message. And there was something that night that brought such a deep conviction because what I was hearing is that Jesus Christ, he's not just here to pop in and save you and forgive you from your sins and now you can go do what you want. He is Savior and he is Lord. There is no separation. And if you're going to follow him, Savior and Lord. And that night there was a deep conviction and brokenness filled with repentance and faith and forgiveness. That is my story of God's intervention of how. How did it happen to you? How did he intervene in your life And tell your story, tell your story. As you talk about Jesus to others, you can't help but talk about his forgiveness, the cross, repentance. You can't help but share the gospel when you're talking about the how, how it happened to you. It doesn't have to be dramatic. You don't have to have all the details. But all testimonies are a big deal of God's grace. So tell that story of God's pleasure. So we have the before, We have the how. Let's move on to the now. What about Paul's life now? Well, we have here that it not only pleased him, God, to save him, but also to commission him. Look at verse 16. So it pleased God to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. For Paul, it was a a, a salvation with a specific calling to preach the gospel among Gentiles. The Gentiles. Verse 16. To reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, Paul continues to argue, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. In Paul's unique situation as an apostle, he was commissioned by Jesus to preach to the Gentiles. Paul did not consult with the apostles in Jerusalem nor any other human about his calling. He went away to Arabia for a time, perhaps for reflection and ministry, before returning to Damascus. But he didn't interact with the apostles until three years later. Continue in the text, verse 18. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. 
Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I'm not lying. What's he doing here? So after three years, he goes to Jerusalem to meet Peter, and he interacts with him for 15 days. Can you imagine? What, what is that conversation like? Paul meets Peter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm sure they're talking about what it was like to be with Jesus on this earth and listen in from Peter. And he also meets Jesus' brother James. But keep in mind, Paul did not go there to learn the gospel. The apostles confirmed the truth of the gospel, but its origins were in the revelation of God. Well, Paul doesn't stick around in Jerusalem, but he heads out on his mission. He's commissioned to the Gentiles. Finish up in verse 21. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. The now for Paul is that a guy who used to be a terrorist persecuting believers is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And all the people were praising God all around for Paul's conversion and Paul's calling. Because God's grace not only saves you, but God's grace grows you, sanctifies you, fills you with power for his mission. I hope you're with me so far. Tell your story before how Jesus intervened. And what about your now? What's your now? What's different about you now that you know Jesus? Think about it. Your life as a believer should not look exactly like someone who lives in the village who does not know Jesus. If there is no distinction between your life and someone who does not know Christ, what's your gospel? Your gospel is salvation that changes you and produces a fruit that is distinct. I just, I just think about my story. And my story, I can't believe it, but it includes me preaching the gospel, which I'm doing right now. And for you, you think it's no big deal. It's a big deal. Ask my wife. <laughs> she knew me in high school. As the rebellious, foul-mouthed boy, people in high school and college would never imagine that I'd be preaching the gospel. That's not me. That's, that's something God's doing. And I think about what else God has done is he's taken his word and he's, he's shaped this very angry, rebellious man. And in my 20s, he said, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to take care of the vulnerable. Once again, no any background on me, that is not in me at all to want to care for the vulnerable. And in my 20s, it was manifested in caring for my grandmother. And now later in life, for whatever reason, God, according to his word, wants me to care and he shapes me for vulnerable children. And I guarantee you, there is nothing in my history that will lean in this direction. I do not like kids, all right? <laughs> 
Amen. Yeah. No, I like my kids. I like and love my kids, but I'm not that kid guy. Not. So you know that's a work of God. That is a God and not me. So I ask you, what is your now story? You got the before story and you got the how story, but what's the now story? What is the change in your life? What is the calling in your life? What is your purpose in life? Does that have to be huge and dramatic? But surely, surely your story is more than this. Well, now I go out and I play golf and I don't cuss as much. Now when I read novels, I don't read that trashy stuff. Is that your story? Surely there's more to it than that. If there's been a change in your life where Jesus is Lord and his word is shaping your decisions and your thinking, surely your now story is producing some fruit of distinction that is different from the world. Because you've been changed and you're following the Lord Jesus Christ who intervened by grace to save you and he has a calling on your life. What is it? What is that manifestation of his fruit now? You have a story to tell. And there are people all around you Some of them have never even heard the gospel before. Some of them have never even met a legit Christian before. Tell your story. Share the gospel. Tell your story. Now, I told you I have lofty pastoral ambitions for everyone in here to get to a point where you can tell your story. And so I'm going to kind of give you an assignment homework assignment you always yell at your kids for not doing their homework and I'm going to yell at you if you don't do your homework (laughs) I want you to learn how to tell your story so leaving here you some of you will go to small group some of you will go out to lunch some of you have interactions in Sunday school let me encourage you to practice telling your story to one another before How? Now? I guarantee you, as you start to share your stories with one another, the encouragement level will be so high. I I bet that some of you have been friends with someone 5, 10, 15 years, and you still don't know their story of how they came to faith in Christ. It's an encouraging story. Let them tell it, and you tell it back. But don't let this storytelling terminate on you. May you also share it with others. And maybe you need to write it out. I mean, we've gave you a handout, some notes. It's really complicated. Before, how, now. And you just fill in the blanks. Write your story before, write your story how, and you got it right there. Work on it, practice it, tell it. Tell it to one another and tell it to those far from Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and your story stops with before you want a how and now but you just have before and you may think that it's too late in life for God to do a how and now in your life but let me tell you this God is still pleased to save he's still pleased to save sinners you're sitting next to one 
And he's intervened in many people's lives in here, and I believe it would take, give him pleasure to intervene in your life today. And so if you just have the before story, God's grace are open wide. He's got these open wide hands of grace to intervene, to bring you forgiveness and mercy through the cross of Christ. And he can forgive you right now, no matter what you've done. And as we learned last week, no matter how bad you think you are, you're worse off than that. (laughs) But you know what? Through Jesus, you can have more forgiveness, grace, and love than you ever imagined. And I pray that for you. Let's pray. Father, this room is filled with stories of grace where in your pleasure you saved and intervened to draw people to yourself. And Lord, I know there may be a man or woman in here who's just like me, had this story of religious motions but no relationship. And if that man or woman's in here this morning, May you show them that they can have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. And may you bring repentance and grace to them this morning. And Father, we know this gospel does not terminate on us, but is meant to be shared with those who do not know you. We make so many assumptions that people know you or they at least can find their own way or maybe someone else can tell them about Jesus. Lord, convict us this week that our neighbors, those we see at the store, in the restaurants, on the block, are people that you want us to love in your name. To love not only in deed, but also in word. So give us boldness this week to tell our stories which are really just your story of how you took pleasure in intervening in our life to bring us to yourself. And may we be a part of seeing that same pleasure displayed in the salvation of others. Give us boldness, compassion, and kindness. Speak your truth in love. In Jesus' name, amen.